Hello and welcome to the Chime 30th Anniversary Podcast, where we are celebrating three decades of dedication to digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the president and CEO of Chime. Each week until our fall forum in San Antonio, we're spending time with a digital health leader who's made a significant impact on Chime and our industry. Today, we welcome the board chair from 2005, Pat Skouroulis. Pat retired in 2020 as the senior vice president and CIO of Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, where she was overseeing computing and communications for clinical and research enterprise. In her long and distinguished career, she's been recognized as one of the 50 most powerful women in health IT by health data management. She was inducted into the CIO Hall of Fame. She received an honorary doctorate from St. John's University. She's been awarded Chimes CIO of the Year Award in 2008, and she is a Chime Fellow and Lifetime member. She is currently enjoying life in Colorado. Pat, welcome to the program. Thank you, Russ. Glad to be here and glad to be part of our 30th anniversary celebrations. Well, uh, we spend a lot of common time together. We were on a, the board together for almost all three years of overlap there. And, yes. and I'll tell you, it was amazing and fun to watch you lead and help this great organization. What's really interesting is every individual kind of has their own chime story, <laughs> how they got started, how they got involved, why they served, why they volunteered so much. I'd love to hear your story, Pat. Well, I started out in academia. I had a bachelor and a master's in mathematics. My first job was at Bell Laboratories, where, which is where I learned computing completely. They put you in classes in the morning. You spent all morning learning and in the afternoon working for your department. After that, in a series of jobs, I worked for Bowdoin, Rutgers, Princeton, and then Duke University was my first opportunity when I was vice when I was vice chancellor and CIO was my first opportunity to really see healthcare and I fell in love with it. I found that it was so much so interesting. Uh, one of the things I always found as a challenge in academia was trying to get money and the competition was against class size versus and faculty. Uh, books in the library, and computing was always playing against those. In healthcare, I found if you could make a good case for how it was going to help people, how it was going to improve the operations, then generally you could get the money to help do that. So after Duke, I joined Rush University Medical Center as their, CC, their vice president and chief information officer. Um, during the time I was in academia, I always volunteered and was very involved with various organizations such as EDUCAUSE, and in fact, had just been elected chair of EDUCAUSE. But I found that because Rush was a medical, I could no longer be there. So I went to my first CHIME meeting and my first HIMSS meeting in 1992 and was absolutely amazed at the collaboration that I saw among the members. It was truly uh, inspirational, as well as what I thought was wonderful was the inclusion of the vendors, that we all became partners together. So that was how I started out in Chime. And again, I first got involved. Uh, Keith uh, involved me in being on a committee, and then I did some work and eventually 
uh, was elected to the board in 2003 and became chair in 2005. It, it was fun to watch you because I came on the board in 2004 and it was great to watch you as chair and and just watching you lead. You, you, you've been an inspiration for so many, but everyone knows it's it's fun to be in Chime. It's also fun to be on the board, but it can be occasionally a little bit stressful and even fun on as being the chair and the leader. What's one of your fondest memories from your time on the Chime board and, and maybe in particular your time as chair? Well, I think the uh, at the time in 2005, what, and you probably remember this from being on board with me, was we had just separated from HIMSS and were losing our subsidy, which had been a small token that HIMSS would pay for each member. And we had to rethink our operation. It was important to the board, and I really think this is wonderful, that they recognized making sure that it still stayed a primarily uh, chief CIO or the chief person attending. And we went in to, in order to be able to balance the budget, we established the premier membership, which was, you know, a big chance on our part of changing the fee structure for vendors and hoping they'd stay with us. And in fact, it became a very, very successful part of it. The other thing I, I thought was a wonderful thing that we did in those, year, early, those years then was really tackling the fact about whether we would get involved in public policy. Mm. For years, it had been the history of, oh, well, we don't want to CIOs take a stand that perhaps could be in conflict with what our uh, other officers of the institutions would you know, see as the right answer to a problem. And I think during some of those discussions, and it was people such as yourself, Mike Smith, Sue Shade, Pam McNutt, that said, no, I think it's the time for us to tackle public policy. And I think that has been such an important uh, component of the CHIME legacy and what we're doing. So it was, you know, I think I, I can't, the, the other thing I have to remember, and I can't say it was a fun time, but I will remember very, Clearly, when I was chairing the 2005 meeting, uh, the annual meeting, was when the evening before my sister wound up having a, a seven or eight hour operation at Sloan Kettering. She was just brought in and uh, was turned out to have stage four colon cancer. Hmm. It was Sloan Kettering kept her alive for 14 years, but it was the outpouring of all of the members that was so important to me and showed to me what a family chime is beyond our professional things. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my fun little story, Pat, uh, that, that involves you and I. And um, it, up until the time I had really met you and got to know you really well on the board, I had never been to New York City. Matter of fact, fully admit, was absolutely terrified of New York City, probably had a phobia. And you arranged one of our board meetings to be in New York. And I still to this day believe you did it. So I had to come to New York. And, and I, I actually, I think I threatened not to come. And you said, well, I'm going to kick you off the board if you don't. And I, so I came. It's my first experience. Now I teach at Columbia. I'm in New York all the time. Oh, you that's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> I just, well, I thought that was a wonderful meeting that we had. And I think that's that was also very good that the board does go around and see different places. One of the things I did as chair, made the trip for the first time, I think that a board chair had done it, of going up to Ann Arbor 
and seeing the headquarters and meeting with the people who were running the organization. Um, and now I hear we're completely virtual. So would, you'd have to be visiting in multitude, 27 states, I think you told me at one time. Uh, exactly. So this is a, an impressive organization that you've built, Russ. Well, thank you. Now, Pat, in your, in your multi-decade part of really helping and shape Chime, you know, we've seen the role of CIO change multiple times, probably no more than right now where the industry challenges, the world focus, economic issues, political issues, polarized beliefs, all this while still trying to truly revolutionize an industry from a technology and a process perspective. You know, what do you think some of the ways our members can, can kind of address and focus on this now uh, and, and, and how these things really can shape the future? Well, I think one of the things that has changed is it used to be that we were the top guy in the organization that knew computing. And now it has really been democratized and they, we have chief nursing information officers, um, the medical doctors who are doing this. Um, and I think what we have to understand is reaching out and forming those partnerships in the organization in order to be able to move uh, a transform. It's no longer keep it running. It's no longer just op optimizing the operations. It's really changing the businesses that we're in. And that's why we're seeing some of the uh, appearance of new chief titles, chief experience officers, chief digital officers. Um, but I think the fact I could see it during the time of COVID, how quickly our CIOs were able to pivot for their organizations, move them into telemedicine, set up operations so that people who had never before worked from home are able to do it. It's that agility, I think, that is the important component of being able to keep that broad perspective and be able to command the troops and deliver transformational products when needed. So I, you know, I have great. Uh, and um, admiration for the current group of CIOs and the work that they have been doing uh, in leading our organizations. Pat, I, and, and we don't say this, you know, flippantly, you are one of the most respected CIOs in, in the history of Chime and people are just adhered and loved to you. And I, and I told you before we started the podcast, you know, one of the things I'll say every time is I, I can't wait to see you again because everyone needs a pat hug. Um, it, it's just, it's just, it's part of your style. It's the way you lead this way you are. Can you describe your approach that you took as a CIO? Because I think you were more than just a technology or computing leader. You, you really were a leader and, and that was just you being authentic. Can you describe your approach to leadership? Well, I generally, I it genuinely like people. Um, I am interested in folks. Um, I care about them. I think my staff knew that. Um, I, I feel that when we're at work and the things that we're doing in our professional lives, we spend more time doing that on, than with our families, actually. Um, and in doing so, it ought to be something that we can celebrate. One of the things I know within my own staff was uh, always um, in New York, especially, just, we have we had a very international staff. I had a number of people from Russia, the Ukraine, from 
uh, Arab countries, from the from the or Asian countries. Um, and one of the things we started to do, I started to do um, ice cream socials, where I would just have Ben and Jerry's come in, and we would get you could get a plate of ice cream. We would have scoopers, and they would uh, deliver that. And to see everybody's face brightens up. Well, we began where the staff started volunteering. We wound up having celebrations for Diwali, Eastern European Food Fest, Lunar New Year uh, food spreads. Uh, to almost every month, finding a reason to celebrate something that we can bring people together. And for it would take a total of about an hour and a half out of, I watched the clock to kind of get a sense in case I ever got any complaints. And it would just take about an hour and a half for this from the time the food went out to when everybody was back in their office. But for that time, people would come together and be a family. The other thing I think is that I believe in my people I've always tried to hire people who are smarter than I am. And then for my job is to find out from them what they need to do their work. So to enable them is an important component. The other one that I think I did was good at was as I sat as part of the senior management and would hear things, I would come back and share that so that everyone kind of had a feeling of being a part of the organization knowing what we were doing, knowing our challenges and feeling that they could commit to what we were doing. Um, whenever they would do these uh, satisfaction surveys <clears throat> among, among the staff, my staff would always come out with the highest commitment to the organization, sort of outshining any other group uh, on campus. So I think it's that feeling that we are all doing this together and understanding what the mission of the institution that has helped enormously. As I mentioned earlier, that you have been so uh, known for as being an amazing top leader. And, and when you start sub subdividing that out, in particular, one of the, the most well-recognized women in healthcare IT, um, which really does help set a standard and a goal for those to, that want to follow. And you, it's interesting when you when you start saying who are some of the most influential over long periods of time, your name always comes up. And the good news is we're seeing a lot more uh, women in healthcare IT. Still not of equity, you know, equal numbers, but a lot more than we used to see. The other is in all of our surveys, we're starting to see pay to be almost equal, sometimes even better. A couple of our surveys the women salary basis was actually higher than the men for equal groups. So we're seeing some, some real good movement in that. I'd love to hear kind of what you've seen from the landscape of women CIOs um, and, and advice you would give those up and coming leaders. You know, my daughter's one of those. She already said, I'm going to be a CEO someday, all this kind of stuff. It's there, there's this great goal and aspiration out there in the industry for people. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your encouragement. Well, I go back to, you know, I think back to 1976. I'm just picking that out as a date. It was about, you know, was well into my career. And I went to my first SIM, Society of Information Management meeting. And it was 300 people in the audience. It was a great, good program in Chicago. And at the first break, all of a sudden, everybody went to the restrooms. And they were, it turns out of the 300 people, there were a total exactly of six women. And we became good friends over those many years. And it gradually would increase over time. But one is, I think, to form great 
it's very helpful for women to form good women colleague uh, relationships. I've had this over the years with Stephanie Real, with Pam McNutt, with others. Uh, I don't want to start naming names. There are so many that I have uh, had as friendships along the way who I could trust and you could you could confide in and get advice from. And so that's one I think is important. Another one that was told to me very early into my career by a very successful woman colleague, she said, always hire great help on the home front. Women still tend to be the nurturers of the family. It's important to spend on your childcare, treat them professionally, give them vacations, give when you get a salary increase, you give them a salary increase. And so that's an important part, I think, for specifically aimed at women, uh, because we are tend to have the responsibilities of the family. But I think that's extremely important. The other one I would say is volunteer, and this goes for everyone, volunteer on community activities and get yourself on boards. Now, the boards, it, you know, it's easy to say and it's hard to land the ones that are corporate boards, but they can be ones for your local organizations. I think that has been very helpful in my career um, of being on the schools that my children attended. So I was on the Latin School of Chicago's board and then eventually up to their executive committee and I chaired two of their long range plans. Durham Academy, same thing, I began on their board got elected to the executive committee and did their long range plans. Uh, Princeton Employee Credit Union, I was elected eventually to president. Those types of experience give you a perspective on how IT is seen within your own healthcare organization. They have very good experience on career development, but they're also very good experience on being able to have that broad perspective of how activities and how different issues will be seen by the boards of trustees. So I would say it's community activities. If you try them in your, in your field, that's why I'm saying you volunteer, you work for CHIME, you get on a committee, maybe you help on planning the next uh, group of speakers, et cetera. Those are the kinds of activities that help you hone your skills in a, safe and nurturing environment among colleagues, but uh, develop your friendships, I think is also important. Well, Pat, one of the fun things that we're doing during this podcast series is we, we've tried to identify words that we hope that CHIME represents, but what we do know represents the individuals that we're spending time with. And, and for you, this, this podcast, we picked the word insight or insightful, some would say, because we loved hearing you on stage. We loved hearing you present. We loved hearing you in small groups and big groups. It didn't matter because that is it. You were full of insight and, and thought and you hear things differently. Why is the word insight, A, really, we all believe represent you, but why do we think that's such an important attribute for the roles that you've played and really for, for everyone? Well, my guess is that no one has gotten to be a CIO or a chief security officer, a chief nursing executive information officer without having insight. I mean, you, you just do not succeed, but insight is not just guessing. It really has to be based on an accurate assessment. It's a, either of people, it's a, um, a thing such as your organization, 
or the economy or where you think things are going. Or sometimes it's also insight into yourself, into what is driving you and examining your own motives. But um, I remember very, very, very early in my career, one of the people I worked for had been a sociologist. And he was, he told us to talking, we were all having coffee one time after work. And uh, he began telling us about never pay, you know, there's the organizational charts that you will see. And then there are ones that are the influence ones. It's who is talking to whom within the organization. Who is the one that whispers in somebody's ear? Um, who does, for example, in the president, when there's a crisis, whose office does the president walk into? That starts to tell you what the informal organization is. And I think that's extremely important. Who are the doctors who are going to influence others that you could be able to tap into? So I think it's a it's obviously a multi-dimensional, you know, you have to have your technical chops. You've got to be able to do that. You have to have people skills, you have to be able to do that. But I think it's a, an ability to work and reflect on the organization and just feel it intuitively um, as you do it. Uh, one person I know that helped me again early in my career, he had been a coach, a high school coach. And um, I was sort of new at everything. And he had taken a couple of us. And before we go into a meeting to talk about computing, this actually was at Rutgers University when I was in academic computing. And he'd say, okay, we're gonna go in and we want, we're going to meet with the head of the library, the head library. And we'd like to get this established that we can do such and such. And he'd go in and play out the conversation and then we would go into the meeting and we'd all have different roles. And maybe, you know, you're going to be the good guy. You're going to be the one that's going to explain some. And then we would come out of the meeting afterwards and then we would do a recap of the meeting and analyze what happened, what went well, what didn't go well. And I think it's, you know, early on of doing some of that reflection starts to make you understand that at every meeting and everything that's going on, you have to have been thinking about what are the bigger issues? What are the things that are going on in that person's life that may change how they will uh, approach something? So it's a, it's a, it is a skill. Um, it can be developed. I think there are, you know, as I said, this um, pre- meeting, post-meeting, um, and you can do it yourself, even after a meeting you've had, analyze it. Why was that successful? Or that went better than I thought, or it didn't. And what could I have done differently that may have been able to change that? So um, it's, it's really a wonderful uh, skill, but I, again, it's one that I'm confident that people who are members of CHIME have already hone some of their skills on insight because you can't be that technical uh, single-minded person that doesn't have that broad, deep, intuitive understanding of your organization or of the field without having uh, insight. So Pat, this, this last primary question here is, is we're asking everybody this and, and we're asking for a big reason. And you mm -hmm. have been a person that we, there have been a lot of people that have walked in your footsteps and stood on your shoulders as a giant in our industry. 
but you had the same thing and and we all were able to to have people help us along the journey and you know who are those people who are a couple people you'd like to say thanks we don't want to wait till it's too late to thank people in life mm. who are those people you would love to say thank you that were such an instrumental part of your life and career Oh, there are so many. I mean, I go back to people. There's some that were uh, probably might not be known to Chime. Some are like Dick Dooley, uh, Dick Nolan, Warren McFarland were some of the early influences mm. in my life. But then in the sphere of healthcare, I would say someone like Larry Weed, really, I heard him speak and he really excited in me the capabilities of the electronic medical record. Another early influencer was, and I only know her somewhat, but I count her as a friend, Judy Faulkner, of watching Judy throughout chime meetings, of sitting down at our lunch tables and being herself and realizing you can be a successful woman and be yourself. I think that was an incredibly important one. And then it's the colleagues. I really, it's the it's the Stephanie Reels, it's yourself, it's the Pam McNutts, it's the Tim Zoff, it's the Mike Smith, um, a people who may not even know that they were influenced, but Mark Probst, who allowed me to come out with my people to sit and see how he was doing. Um, uh, John Glasser, uh, partners who early on would share everything. Uh, you ask him the question, he would tell you and open up the kimono and show you how it's done and invite you to come up and participate. Uh, Jim Noga, the same in his footsteps. So it's really our colleagues that have really made such a difference in my life. Um, I have to thank everybody. You have made it a wonderful career and now I'm enjoying the fruits of it in Colorado, happily retired and feeling that it's, you know, looking back and getting ready for this podcast of thinking it's been a really wonderful time being a part of this great, great organization, Russ. Thank you so much for including me on this. Well, it is an honor without any doubt. And so, Pat, I, I count it a blessing to hear your wisdom, but more importantly, just to spend any time with you. So with that, any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share or a special thanks or anything with, with not just our listeners, but the entire Chime organization? Well, I think the important thing is have fun. These years go by more quickly than you think. I would uh, urge you to just reflect and enjoy your success at each and every stage and um, take care of your friends and family and hug the ones near to you, near you and um, spread the love. That's what I would suggest. Well, you are truly one of the heroes of, of not just Chime or health IT, but of our entire healthcare industry. Thank you for being such an instrumental part in the last three decades plus of, of leadership, but more importantly, friendship for so many people, Pat. Thank you so much, Russ. We also would like to thank you for being part of this program and listening to these wonderful healthcare leaders, and especially today, Pat, as part of our special 30th anniversary series. As always, you can visit us on Spotify or at chimecentral.org forward slash media for this and all these amazing top healthcare leaders. As we continue to hopefully work our way out of this pandemic and into hopefully a new normal in the future, please stay safe and God bless.